nights when one drink with the girls turns into a bottle, but you need your car for brunch the next day. There's pickup. Or at Friday work drinks, where you don't want to leave your car with expensive tools at the pub. There's pickup. Don't miss out on the fun. Get a pickup. Simply book on our app, and we'll pick you up to drive you and your car home. Two drivers arrive, one drives you home in your car, and the other driver follows. Download the pickup app today. That's PKUP, and wake up worry-free. Hi, I'm Macaulay Jones. Dick Johnson from DJ Art, and you're on Inside Supercar. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Hello and welcome to this special edition of Inside Supercars. Craig Ravel joined today by our, uh, well, our financial guru and photographer, Peter Norton. Peter, great to have you back on the show and it's interesting times ahead for the supercar series. It's exciting times ahead. Um, when I'm, well, I, I do the most for photography as an escape from the day job. Uh, the day job is a chartered accountant and I, I really enjoy uh, uh, you know, business and business valuation, business strategy. Uh, those elements of sport uh, interest me just as equally uh, as the performance on the field or on the track. So uh, what's evolved uh, in supercars over the last you know, many months, uh, I've found fascinating. Uh, it's also been fascinating how so much of it has played out in the media uh, or on social media posts by some of the, the different consortiums. Uh, and fascinating that the different consortiums that uh, originally competed, but some of the players then teamed up. Uh, and of course, the announcement today uh, is the uh, race consortium uh, uh, have uh, been successful and uh, they've signed some contracts uh, for the defeated before the end of the year. Now, the race consortium, that it seemed to uh, come together throughout the uh, process of the bidding process, which was also fascinating. And we see some groups that are not necessarily similar in their businesses, but are complementary when coming together to uh, look after a championship like the supercars. Yeah, that, that's uh, perhaps the key of the, the race consortium where it probably was a bit stronger than some others. Uh, uh, the, the Addison consortium that had uh, you know, Morris and a few others in there, uh, they probably would have brought some new energy to the promotion of the sport and uh, sort of a new technical specifications to, to enhance the show. Uh, in, in some respects, you could most... You know, uh, said that, that that perhaps was the, the wrestling version of motorsport. Um, it would have been uh, you know, roll up, roll up for the greatest show on earth kind of uh, promotions. Uh, and we can put that to one side now because clearly the, they weren't successful. Uh, but it is interesting to think about the, the differences between them. Uh, the one that is successful uh, combines uh, the current management team who are pretty experienced at running big events uh, ARG, the competitor, uh, what had emerged as the competitor to supercars over the last couple of years, and um, people were speculating whether uh, it uh, than supercars uh, with its diverse range of categories. Well, it's no longer a competitor. Um, it's part of this consortium, and, and they bring, uh, I guess, a, a, a 
some flexibility uh, in terms of the categories that would be on the program at each event. Uh, of course, no longer would a competitor have to choose which camp to be in. Uh, and they've got some event uh, uh, oceans knowledge of their own. Uh, other big names, it becomes a bit of an alphabet soup, doesn't it? Uh, TLA, TGR. Um, in the world of uh, big, big sport, uh, they're, they're, uh, so sports marketing, uh, sports infrastructure, uh, media rights, all of those things. And that's perhaps the, the big uh, upside of this consortium coming in is that the, the things that they've learnt with sports that are much bigger than supercars about how you extract the, the value and commercialise that audience, uh, how do you commercialise, the I suppose, the fame uh, or infamy of certain people in the sport, uh, yeah, how do you convert the, the, the eyes on the screens, um, whether it's a TV screen or a computer or phone screen, how do you convert those into dollars? Uh, and I think that's where these guys really bring the edge. Uh, and uh, in the world of business and business uh, valuation, people talk about synergies where you can get one plus one equals three or four. Uh, and that's really the strength here is that uh, these guys will find new and exciting ways to extract a dollar out of the audience, um, whether it's through selling advertising or uh, building a, uh, a subscription uh, viewing uh, uh, platform. Uh, yep, maybe they'll do their own, like some other sports do around the world, where rather than subscribing to KO or to Foxtel, maybe you subscribe directly to their own uh, own channel. Uh, these, these are the kind of guys that can make that happen. Uh, and it's through those synergies that uh, uh, when the, the consortiums are putting together their numbers to make an offer, uh, they will think about what they can take that's there at the moment and make it better. Uh, ultimately, the value of the business is all about future maintainable earnings. Um, you look at uh, what it's achieving at the moment, uh, and let's, let's be frank, the last uh, couple of years, the earnings would have been terrible because of the effects of COVID and the disruptions and the extra costs that were involved. Um, so that makes it really difficult to uh, work out what the future maintainable earnings are going to be. But um, that was the task that these people had, is to work out what money they could make um, and then work out what that value is in perpetuity. Uh, and that's where you get the, you know, the, the big dollars of you know, $100 million and that kind of stuff uh, from something that uh, uh, probably didn't make that much money in recent years. Um, you think about what the future can hold. Um, a lot of assumptions takes a lot of confidence to uh, uh, about what magic you can bring to the table to come up with those sorts of numbers. Uh, one word of caution there, as people really read lots of uh, reports on this, is that when you see different numbers, they may not be apples with apples comparisons. Uh, the value of the business, um, you know, uh, 100 million, but you have to subtract from that the debt that the business brings along itself. Uh, so the price that you have to pay, the price that you have to uh, uh, find the cash for may be substantially less depending on the debt that comes along with it. Um, another area of confusion here is that uh, we know that Archer has sold, that's the, the, the release today, uh, but of course there's also some money that will buy out the teams. Uh, those sorts of things may make comparing different numbers a, a little bit confusing. And... One of the things that, uh, and one of the businesses that's involved in this, 
And to be crude and having your knowledge of the uh, racing industry is Henslow. And in these big acquisitions and in big acquisitions in general, there's a thing called, uh, in racing terms and parlance, laying off, where the bookie will lay off to cover some of the bets he's got coming in. Is that something we see in situations like the sale of supercars where they could look to, say it is $100,000, they could look to offset some of that risk in cash to some other investors? Yeah, I, I don't know if Henslow would like to be described as uh, bookmakers that, uh, or, or being used to offset some of the risk. But in some respects, you, you're actually right. Um, if you're putting together a, a big deal, you, you like to use other people's money. Uh, uh, sort of first port of call would be the banks. Um, they like good security. Um, uh, they want to make sure that they're getting uh, repaid. Uh, so, yeah, you can borrow from banks very, very cheaply at the moment, and we all enjoy that on our mortgages, but, but that needs good security. So often then you look at sort of mezzanine finance and, and other ways of, uh, of raising your money. Um, now, uh, it's really good to use other people's money, uh, and that's where Henslow come in. Um, they're a, a well-respected uh, sort of uh, private finance uh, uh, firm. Um, if you're a high-wealth individual um, and you're looking for places to invest, you'd probably have a chat to the people like Henslow. Um, uh, they are sort of the, uh, a broker where uh, businesses that are growing and, and doing well and need more money uh, uh, would talk to Henslow to, to raise money that it doesn't go through the stock exchange, it doesn't go through a lot of that uh, sort of public profile, but Henslow help uh, as a bit of a matchmaker uh, for businesses that are looking for money and high wealth uh, people that have money to invest. Uh, and um, uh, it's the classic trade-off. Uh, if you want the big returns, you have to accept a bit more risk. Uh, so uh, some of the returns that uh, Henslow can produce in some of these investments uh, can be quite exciting. Uh, so uh, using their book of contacts and their methodologies, uh, the, they've uh, you know, issued documents uh, and successfully raised quite a bit of money. Uh, I think I've, I've read somewhere that it was $25 million from these uh, 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 high-wealth individuals and other people that wanted to invest in supercars. Uh, and, and they come in as sort of uh, of silent partners in some respect. Uh, the, they're, they're on long for the ride and they, they put their money in uh, and they trust the, the core management team to, uh, to to achieve really good returns for them. So that would then mean that uh, we've heard, well, we've pretty much heard four names bandied about through the entire sale process of who might be on the board of race, and that's Barclay Netterfold. Martin Jolly, Mark Scaife and Craig Kelly. And I think those names have been out uh, now as the likely, as four of the likely board members. When we look at the other partners, ARG, Henslow in particular, who are the uh, names that probably jump out at you, Peter? Yeah, we we described that Henslow have the the matchmaking role of getting those uh, high wealth investors to uh, put the money in. It makes sense that they have a seat at the board to represent the interests of those those uh, uh, non-active investors, I guess you'd say. Uh, so uh, Stephen McCourt would be the representative from Henslow that you would expect. Um, we'd expect someone from ARG, which would be uh, John uh, McMillan. Um, 
uh, Craig Kelly is a name known to, to motorsports uh, uh, from his days uh, running the Holden Racing team. And it makes sense that uh, his good mate, Mark Scaife, uh, would be involved. There's been different reports there whether Scaife would be on the board or not. Um, you'd have to think that he would. Um, I'd imagine that uh, he's helped a great deal in joining the dots to make this thing come together uh, and, and it would kind of suit. Uh, people will speculate a great deal about whether there's any conflict there uh, as his role as a head commentator or his roles in other respects of the sport. Uh, so that one will watch with interest. But, uh, yeah, you kind of have to think that he would end up at the board table. Yeah, and if if he's been front and centre, if all these high rollers, as you like to call them there, are going to become silent partners, they're going to expect the people that wooed them are going to be uh, guiding their finances and guiding their investment. So it'd be hard to see it not happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, in the world of uh, uh, company boards, uh, it's good to hear diversity. Uh, uh, you want to get people from different backgrounds and perspectives uh, that, that come together, share ideas and, and make that magic. Um, leading practice these days is uh, for that diversity. Um, and all the names that we've just mentioned are, are very blokey, isn't it? Um, I think they'd be under a bit of pressure to have uh, a, a female representative there as well. Um, whether that comes from the world of sport or motorsport, or maybe it's a, a, a legal expert or something like that. Um, there appears to be plenty of marketing uh, and sporting knowledge on that board. Um, yeah, it's hard to predict where uh, that, that other seats may come from. And that may actually emerge from the, those high-wealth investors and uh, other, other investors that come in through Henslow um, if you put a big chunk of money in, maybe you want a, a seat at the board as well. And we have seen, particularly in AFL, where uh, they've got a number of female members of boards and female presidents of football clubs, and they've done extremely well in their roles and have helped bring a, a different, uh, different mindset and some balance to what is a, a very blokey, um, to a very blokey industry, and perhaps that's what we can see with the uh, the new makeup of the new owners. Now, uh, it was uh, talked about in a number of reports what they're going to do moving forward, and I, I think one of the strengths of supercars has been their senior management. So we wouldn't be expecting any of those senior managers, if it's Sean Seymour, of course, the CEO, but then the CFOs, the general counsels, the chief operating Shane officer, Shane Howard. He's been there since 2008. He's seen many a different formation of uh, of the sport. But then you've got Nathan Prendergast, who's running the TV and content He's been there for a long time now. And also Adrian Burgess, who's overseeing the Gen 3 rollout. I, I can't imagine that position would be changing anytime soon either. Uh, for, for all those roles that you've mentioned, you'd have to sit, sit back and say, why would you change it? Um, we've got a world-class television product. Uh, the events run very smoothly. Uh, yeah, there's always punters that will second-guess many things. Uh, and if you're deep in the, in the middle of a Gen 3 rollout um, that's already been delayed, uh, why would you pull the rug out and, and change any of the personnel? Now, having said that, uh, some of the uh, sports promotion uh, uh, mindset may come along and uh, may influence Gen 3. Um, 
we've heard so much about paddle shift or not. Um, you know, what can we do to enhance the show? Uh, there could be a little bit of tweaking, but you'd be crazy to change the, uh, the, the people involved at, at this point. Now, this team has got uh, a lot of experience through uh, their involvement in the companies they're with now and other companies like IMG and the like that they've been involved with. But I think some of the, uh, some of the key things is that now one company has 100% ownership of not only supercars, and this might have gone by the radar, but they've got 100% ownership now of the four major events at Bathurst. Uh, uh, absolutely. The, uh, many people saw ARG, how it emerged over the last couple of years, as the, the great competitor, um, providing uh, choice for categories of, uh, of who you wanted to align yourself with. Um, professional motorsport in Australia now is sort of under one um, one umbrella. Uh, and well, that, that gets interesting. Um, it's got some pros and cons. Uh, if you've got border closures and uh, the usual international competitors for the 12-hour, if they can't come, well, you've got great flexibility with a whole range of categories and you can uh, reshuffle your, your event uh, much more easily. Um, you can uh, you know, combine different events uh, if the calendar gets a, a little crowded, and that's exactly what we're going to see in that first week of December, uh, two race meetings really combined. Uh, and it's a bit of a miracle how that, that's been able to be achieved, particularly with the competing uh, uh, lead sponsors and those sorts of things that they've been able to work it out. So uh, there are some absolute benefits of it coming under uh, one one umbrella, uh, but a little bit of competition has disappeared, hasn't it? Yes, and that's going to be interesting to see if the synergies of this is going to uh, increase the interest and in the activity and the activations of motorsport across Australia because we have a, a group now that has huge amount of media in operations, digital platform understanding and the like. They're buying a very, very strong digital platform and uh, broadcast platform that Supercars has in-house. So how will that integrate and with the other services they can offer? Supercars Events has been one of the, uh, one of the strong performers of the business and now they're going to be integrated into a much bigger organization that works you know across so many different uh landscapes not just sport but into other areas of um of public engagement then craig kelly is a player manager so we're going to see how they're going to be able to work their talent, working their talent in and along the lines of we see football stars, cricket stars, Olympic athletes, uh, rugby league players. It, it just, once again, has a different depth. And then they have a merchandising arm. Will we see an AFL model where every club basically gives all their merchandising over to the one head company who then rolls out a standard package of, um, of offerings so that every fan can get the hat, the glove, the, the drink bottle, the, um, you know, the replica steering wheel that they might be wanting from their favourite driver and team. It's, it's, it's a very interesting landscape that could be changing from the model where teams have gone off doing their own thing for the most part. 
Yeah, there's great business efficiencies in everything you described there. Um, at a risk of it being a little bit boring, a little bit generic, that uh, if you want some merchandise that's a, a little bit different and captures the, uh, the the culture and character of the team that you support, well, no, actually, it's the same as everybody else's. Um, yeah, there's pros and cons, but uh, yeah, huge uh, efficiencies of putting uh, all of the combined orders in with the, the, the volumes from the other sports. Uh, it does make sense. Um, and, and this gets interesting across the, the whole spectrum of everything that surrounds a sport. Um, yeah, there's the merchandising, the media, uh, uh, rights to, to different materials, um, uh, rights for photographs and images and video. Um, these people are very experienced in uh, how to, to package uh, and commercialise all of those things. Um, so I think that there could be a few people uh, that surround supercars that may be a little bit nervous that uh, a big change is coming, um, whether you're a merchandise salesperson or um, you know, a, a photographer, for example. Um, you know, will there be restrictions on, uh, on access? Uh, you know, photographers can find it hard to, to get uh, uh, on, the, on the sideline of a, a football game because you know, certain rights are already uh, sort of packaged up and sold off. Um, so these sorts of things are a little bit unknown for the future of supercars. Um, I wouldn't expect dramatic changes for the, the 22 season. Um, these things take a little bit of time to, to sort out. But looking further ahead, uh, it'll be interesting to see if supercars is big enough uh, to, to do those strategies um, or whether it's a case of it's not particularly, uh, uh, no particular problems with what we've got, so we'll, we'll let it continue. Because um, you have to think about, uh, uh, yeah, is that particular activity big enough to put the effort into changing it or does it work okay at the moment? Um, there'll be bigger fish to fry. Um, Really, the, the, the big dollars is mostly around, uh, well, traditionally, TV rights, but more and more about just the digital rights across the board, um, how people enjoy their sport in different ways, um, raising the profile of a lot of the, the characters in the sport uh, so, that, uh, uh, so that those people uh, and their agents uh, can uh, extract more money out of selling them for appearances and endorsements and that kind of stuff. I think they're the bigger dollars that will be chased first. Um, uh, some of, some of the, the little roles around the sport, uh, they'll probably be a bit down the track. Winton, Tail and Bend and Darwin are events that are run by the Northern Territory Government, the, the Shaheen family at Tail and Bend, and of course the Benalla Auto Sport, Sports Club, Auto Sports Club down there at Winton. Do you expect to see events coming on that will be more promoted events by supercars or do you think this group would have a lot more confidence about being able to allow sanctioned events and then increase the number they have across the year but not having to take the risk of being the um the, you know the underwriter uh, currently well this year we i think we were supposed to have nine events that were promoted by supercars and that meant they carried 100 percent of the risk yeah, it is the supercar model now, isn't it, to, to run the whole event yourself. Um, and individual racetracks, their business model has changed. Uh, yeah, previously it was about uh, do your best throughout the year, but you made your profit out of the supercar event. Um, 
uh, and that's changed. It's changed dramatically across the last ten years, where uh, most racetracks uh, make their money uh, day in and day out from uh, different drive days and corporate days and driver training. Uh, that their facility is busy throughout the whole year, um, and promoting a, a supercars event with a very high sort of appearance money um, was no longer the 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 cream that they existed for. Uh, so, yes, it has evolved that supercars just uh, hire the track for the weekend uh, and supercars do what they're best at uh, and the circuit owners do what they're good at, um, which is maintaining the facility and, and uh, collecting higher fees day after day. Um, now, let's lay on top of that the, uh, that, yeah, uh, Taylor Bend, uh, Darwin, but, uh, the Benalla Club, um, they probably haven't made that full transition yet where they want to let go uh, and let supercars do whatever they like, but that's where the commercial negotiations will get get interesting. Um, that uh, appearance money paid to supercars, uh, they'll, they'll negotiate that through and there's a tipping point where uh, ultimately you say, oh, it's not worth being my own promoter, um, uh, I'll just get a track hire fee. Um, yeah, it may well evolve that supercars promote them all. And, of course, Tony Quinn announcing he's got Queensland Raceway now. You would expect if Tony does like he did at uh, his tracks in New Zealand, that track will be a, uh, an, a, a, you know, a high standard, one of the best in the country, and we'll see it back on the circuit. There's been... Well, Newcastle returning. We'd hope to see Phillip Island. You'd hope to see Adelaide return. And uh, that could be a, a fascinating one as well as we uh, see the politics of the South Australian government all come into play. But speculation on a Canberra event has been very interesting as well. Yes. Uh, I suppose that's one of the, the strengths of, of race, uh, that they have such uh, strength across a broad range of sports uh, that they've been a, perhaps a more clout than some of the other options that we're bidding. Uh, and, and it's, I suppose, the irony of them calling themselves race. Um, their expertise doesn't have to be limited to, to motorsport uh, and the event promotion capability of the combined organisations uh, mean that yeah, I, I don't think we should limit the future to, to just uh, traditional motorsport. Um, but also that clout will allow them to make uh, new events where there hasn't previously been one. Uh, so I, I find it interesting, the, uh, the Canberra opportunity uh, that's been in the news in Canberra across the last week. Uh, the government have uh, very gently uh, said, without making any real commitments, uh, that... Uh, well, the one commitment they've made is that government's not going to pay for it, um, uh, that the, the, they're interested in the event if other people could fund it, uh, is how I read the, the releases this week. Um, now, I, I would expect that the people that were promoting it were very hopeful that the government would write a check to make it all feasible. Um, so that may get a little tricky, but that's where race can come along. Um, if they believe in the concept for, for Canberra or, or, or Track X, uh, maybe they can put the pieces together uh, to make it all feasible as well uh, because clearly they will be about uh, growing the sport, growing the calendar. You just have to have a look at Formula One now. Uh, how many races is Formula One having next week, uh, next year? Uh, 
it just keeps growing and gets busier. Uh, and uh, a little bit surprising, perhaps, uh, is that they don't seem to be diluting the show. The, 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 the following of Formula One keeps growing and growing, um, even though it becomes week after week after week. Um, maybe that shows the way that supercars can go by having more events. Uh, back to Queensland Raceway, back to Phillip Island, uh, by injecting some new life into some of those ones that uh, have slipped off the calendar. One story that we've been following here on uh, Inside Supercars is the possibility of two races in New Zealand. And uh, we had Tim Miles say he didn't think you could do it every year. And we had Tony Quinn saying, of course you could. But uh, some of the word and some of the uh, talk is perhaps New Zealand could help re-establish the endurance season and have an enduro in New Zealand. I think the fans in New Zealand would love it. Yeah, they've got great facilities over there. Uh, Again, Tony Quinn's name pops up. uh, And we know they've got passionate fans. Um, Visited New Zealand a couple of times, but uh, I, I'd be silly to pretend to, to know the, the depth of the, uh, the the spectator interest and whether they would uh, uh, rock up, um, you know, uh, two races probably a fortnight apart, um, so that you uh, uh, get the most out of your freight costs. Um, yeah, my view from uh, from this side of the ditch is I think the Kiwis love their motorsport and. Uh, it does make sense to have the, the double header. Well, Peter, this five-minute chat about the sale of supercars has gone a little bit longer than expected, but it's always a pleasure to talk supercars with you. Yes, yes. There's just so many elements to it. That's what makes it fascinating. Yeah. Uh, I look forward to following it uh, over the over the years ahead. It's exciting. That's all we have time for on this edition of Inside Supercars. Until next time round, keep smiling and Inside bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.